Testament. Stand with me, if you will. Go to the book of Genesis, chapter number 29. Genesis, chapter number 29. Verses 1 and 2. And also, Genesis 29 and verse number 7. Genesis 29, 1 and 2, and Genesis 29 and 7. If you found it, say amen. amen. Our LED wall is going to be installed tomorrow, I understand. So amen. Excited about that. And on that note, if you still would like to give to that, the extra parts besides just the wall panels cost us a few thousand extra. And so uh, if you'd like to give to that, uh, we appreciate that. Praise the Lord. Genesis 29 and 1. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked and behold a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. And a great stone was upon the well's mouth. The well was in the field. Three flocks of sheep. Why do you reckon the sheep were by the well? I heard somebody say it. Because they were thirsty. Three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. And a great stone was upon the well's mouth. Verse number 7, And he said, Lo, it is yet high day. Neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep, and go and feed them. And they said, We cannot, until all the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. I want to draw a thought today from verse number 7 and verse number 8. Jacob told him it's high day. It's hot out. The sun is out. The cattle, the cows aren't here to get in the way. Water the sheep. And their answer in verse number 8, we cannot until the flocks be gathered together, they roll the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. You are asking us to do something that is outside of our routine. It's not the way that we do it. And so the sheep just have to wait until we get our routine. And when our routine's ready, then we'll water the sheep. I want to preach for a while this morning when your routine leaves you thirsty. When your routine 
leaves you thirsty. God, I pray for your anointing on me to preach. I ask you, Lord God, have your way here in Jesus' name. God, I pray not by power, not by might, but by your spirit. I pray that you would send your anointing into this place to destroy yokes in people's lives. I pray, God, that your anointing would meet us here. Anoint our ears to hear. Let us hear your word, for faith comes by hearing. And I pray, God, you have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated. When we get together, what we need the most is the presence of the Lord. We don't need just another formal, dry, dead church service. We need God to show up when we come here. It's the Lord's presence that makes all the difference. He alone. I've said it over and over. He alone is the essential ingredient that changes lives and changes circumstances. God can make changes in people's lives that would seem to be impossible. Have you seen him do it before? Are you here? God doesn't need perfect people or perfect circumstances to make a miracle. He uses the imperfect and turns it for his own glory. Moses had fears and flaws, but the presence of God turned him into a deliverer. Moses, or Samson rather, lacked self-control. He was proud. He violated his covenant with God. Because of that, he lost his vision and he lost his strength until the presence of God touched him again. And when God touched him, Samson did more in his last day of his life than he did in all the other days together because it's the presence of God that makes all the difference. Elijah was a whiny prophet wallowing in self-pity and fear until the presence of the Lord moved on him. And God used him mightily. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were imprisoned captives in Babylon destined to be burned in a fiery furnace until the presence of the Lord walked with them in the midst of the fire. It's God's presence that makes all the difference in the world. David was a poem-writing, harp-playing shepherd. His father didn't see any value in him other than just tending the sheep while his brothers were in the army. But when the presence of God touched David, he became a deliverer and a giant killer because it's the presence of God that makes all the difference in somebody's life. The man at the pool of Bethesda was just another lame man sitting by the water complaining that he didn't have enough help and somebody else got there before him until the presence of the Lord walked up and touched him. And God healed him and he walked away 
healed by the presence of the Lord. Lazarus was just another dead body lying in a cold Middle Eastern tomb with other dead bodies just like his until the presence of the Lord stepped outside of that tomb and called him out of death into life because it's the presence of God that makes all the difference. Bartimaeus was just another blind beggar. His world clouded in the darkness of his lack of sight. But when the presence of the Lord came by, he got his sight back and God touched him. Amen. The woman with the issue of blood was just another diseased person destined to die of her sickness until the presence of the Lord walked by and dried up the fountain of her blood. Jairus was just another grieving father preparing to bury his daughter until the presence of the Lord stepped into the room and raised her from death to life. I've come to tell you it's the presence of God that makes all the difference in the world. Amen. It's not your education. It's not your financial status. It's not your vocabulary or your pedigree or your family tree or your talent or your ability. None of your earthly limitations are the difference. It's the presence of God that makes all the difference in somebody's life. You don't have to have anything else in this world. If you've got the presence of God in your life, you've got everything you need for a miracle, for a breakthrough, for deliverance. And I've got good news. The presence of the Lord is in this place right now. He's a life changer. He's a world changer. He's a joy giver. He's a body healer and a soul toucher. And he's in this place right now. The presence of the Lord is here. Somebody ought to praise him and acknowledge the goodness of his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you were drunks wasting your lives on booze until the presence of God touched you. Saved your home, saved your family, saved your job. It was the presence of the Lord that did it. Some of your families were destined to be destroyed and torn apart until God moved in your home and made all the difference in the world. Some of you should have been buried a long time ago, but God found you and made the difference in your life. Everything else in this life is expendable, but the presence of God. We don't need anything else up on this platform. We don't need anything else in the, as long as we've got the presence of God in this room, there's the ability for lives to be transformed and changed. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I could point all over this room, up and down every aisle, and I could point to people that were broken and lost until God stepped in. When it looked like there was no hope, the presence of God moved and made all the difference in the world. Somebody ought to thank him that he's a difference maker and that his presence moved in your life. Oh, that's right. Let's thank him. His presence is in this place. And because his presence is here, anything can happen and everything can happen. Hallelujah. We have some great talent in this church. We have some of the latest technology. 
We have a lot of things that a lot of churches wish they had. But we can survive without all of it. Because his presence is the difference maker. Amen. I'm telling you that this church is primed for a world-changing, world-shaking revival. You know I believe it because I preach it all the time. And not only because I preach it, but because we see it all the time. I'm not just talking about a good little string of services. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost revival that shakes this community. God, I want God things to happen. Oh, yes. I want God things to happen among us. That when we walk out of those doors, we can say, wow, didn't God do something today? That wasn't talent. That wasn't speaking ability. That wasn't singing ability. That wasn't musical ability. That wasn't a form of the program. Or the, that was because God did something only God could do. Oh, hallelujah. I feel it here right now. I want something that's so far beyond human ability. I want something that's so far outside of the realm of our natural abilities and talents. I want something that goes so far beyond what we can do on our own that the world has to stop and take a look and say God is doing something in that place. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. I want to see God things happen. Things that the doctors can't explain. Things that the counselor said, I can't do anything about it. Things that no one can change but God. Amen. I want to see cancer healed again. I say again because we've already seen him do it in this place before. Hallelujah. I want to see broken families put back together again. And I say it because some of you wouldn't be here if God hadn't worked a miracle in your home. I want to see addicts delivered instantly again. And you know I say again because this room is full of people who have been set free from the bondage of this world. I want to see God things happen in this place. Oh God, I feel it right now. I wish somebody would reach out to him. Somebody that's hungry for a God thing just to reach out. Because it's his presence that makes it happen. Woo, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. You want to know what I've been praying for lately? I want to see people that we never dreamed would ever ever, ever come to a Pentecostal church, much less get the Holy Ghost. I want to see them laid out in the altar talking in tongues, a God thing that moves on them, that goes beyond what their past religious tradition says, that goes beyond what their fear of what the people think about them, but just it's a God thing that picks them up and touch. Hallelujah. I feel him working right now. I feel him moving right now. Can I take it a step further and say that I want to see some of our precious, sweet members who have been cold for a long time laying in the altar, speaking in tongues full of the Holy Ghost one more time. I want to see some of our people that hadn't shouted since four presidents ago be touched again by the power of the Holy Ghost and stirred by the Spirit of God. I'm talking about a revival that's not just young people, but it's gray heads. Saying, God, I feel something like I hadn't felt in a long time. Anybody hungry for that kind? 
a God thing. God, I want a God revival in this place. Not a, not a hype revival, not a musical revival, not an emotion revival, not a speaking revival, but a God revival that digs down in the soul of people and turns their life. Make them hungry, God. Hallelujah. I thank God for talent. But talent doesn't bring that kind of revival. I thank God for good people, but it takes more than good people to have that kind of a revival. I thank God for technology, but it takes more than technology to have that kind of revival. I thank God for a great facility, but buildings won't bring that kind of revival. It's the presence of God moving in this place that stirs the soul. I wish somebody, he said, I'm not far from any one of you if you just reach out to me. He said, if you'll reach out, I'm not far from anyone. And if you'll just reach out to him right now, you can have that kind of a God revival in your life today. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, oh man. I'm trying to pace myself a little bit. We need the Holy Ghost to move on our hearts. We need a fresh intensity in worship to sweep over us one more time where we can't let go of him because that's all we care about. I'm not shouting because it's my favorite song. I'm not shouting because it's my style of music. I'm not shouting because it's my favorite preacher. I'm shouting because it's the presence of the Lord and it brought fullness of joy to my heart. It stirred me fresh one more time. I'm shouting because I feel the presence of God in a way that I hadn't felt in a long time. I'm reaching for God because I need His presence more than I need anything else. I'm wondering if there's anybody that's really hungry, not for the emotional high, but for the real presence of God. Not shouting because everybody, because the youth group stirred up. Not shouting because everybody's jamming to the beat of the music. But God, I'm reaching for you because I feel your presence. I wish somebody reached for him right now. God, I need water from heaven's well. Can I tell you that every church and every true child of God has a mortal enemy today? An enemy that's filled with hatred and violence for you and your family. He'll do whatever he can to keep you from the well. Can somebody say amen? amen? The enemy has no conscience. He doesn't care what in your life he destroys. He salivates at the thought of claiming your soul in an eternal lake of fire. He wants to watch your walk with God dry out. Your family drift away from the presence of God. He'll do whatever he can to keep you from the well. He'll use bitterness, discord, pride, fear, strife, worldliness, carnality, anything he can to separate you from the well of living water. He hates to see you worship. He hates to see you praise the Lord. He hates to see you lift your hand. Because he knows it's with joy that we draw water from the wells of salvation. 
And so he hates when you respond to the move of the Spirit of God. The devil hates to hear you pray because he knows that the ears of the Lord are always attentive to the prayers of his people. He hates baptism in Jesus' name. Amen. He wants you to be satisfied where you are spiritually. He hates the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues because he knows that when you yield to the Spirit of the Lord that his days of control in your life are over. He hates faithfulness to the house of God. He hates holiness and right living. He hates families and marriage and young people who are on fire for God. He hates it when you clap your hands to the Lord. Then he hates it when you say amen. He hates it when you shout and dance in the Holy Ghost. He hates it when you lift your hands and worship God. He hates your soul. And I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons that I like to worship so much is not just because I know God likes it, but I'll do it because I know the devil hates it. Amen. I do it part because God likes it. I do it part because I need it. And I do it part because the devil hates it. Amen. The devil fears you having a lively and full relationship with God. He'll do whatever he can do to keep you from the well this morning. If he can use sin, he'll do it. If he can use condemnation, he'll do it. If he can use fear, he'll do it. If he can use carnality and worldliness, he'll do it. But he'll also use your traditions and your routine against you if he can. Notice our text, Genesis 29 and 2. And he looked and behold a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. And a great stone was upon the well's mouth. Jacob went to the well. And there were thirsty sheep all around. Gathered at the well because they were thirsty but none of them drinking. Jacob looked at the well and noticed someone had put a lid on the well. They had rolled what the Bible called a great stone upon the well's mouth. The stone was keeping the water from flowing out of the well. The sheep are by the well in the desert heat, thirsty, dry. The shepherds standing around doing nothing about it. There is a stone on the well. Jacob in verse number 7, he says, Lo, it is high day. Neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered, Isaac rather, should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep and go and feed them. It's high day. It's hot out. The sun is out. Water the sheep. And then go feed them. Why are you making the sheep suffer? Why won't you let them drink water from the well? What's the problem? What's the problem here? What are the sheep? But the shepherds responded, We cannot until all the flocks be gathered together. We got to wait until all of them are here. 
And then, look what they said. Until they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. What we do here, our routine is that we wait for all the shepherds to be here. I know we got three flocks here right now, and we could water them and let them go on and go to the field, and when the other ones come, they could drink. It wouldn't be as crowded. We could get it done quicker. But no, that's not our routine. Our routine is we wait until all the flocks are gathered together, and then they roll the stone from the well's mouth. When they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. Well, I don't know who they are. But if I'm hot and thirsty, I'm not going to let someone else dictate my drinking habits. Let me tell you something. Mark this down in your mind. Write it down. Just think about it. But never let somebody else set the agenda for your worship. Never let somebody else tell you it's not time. Never let somebody else tell you you've gone too far. Never let somebody else tell you you got to wait till we're good and ready for you to know if you're thirsty, you don't worry about what they say. You get what you need. What they think doesn't matter. What they say about you doesn't matter. If you're thirsty, you throw your hands up and you say, God, I'm coming to the well regardless of what they... Look, if we worried about what the world says about us, we'd never have a move of God. If we cared that the world laughed and made fun of how we worship, we'd never have a move of God. The only reason we have what we have is because we made up our mind. We don't care what anybody else thinks. We didn't come here to please the denominations. We didn't come here to please the community. We came here because we're thirsty and I need a drink from the well. I wish somebody would praise him right now. I wouldn't let what somebody else thinks about me right now keep me from reaching out and touching heaven. I wouldn't let what my friends think about me, what my family thinks about me, what my enemies think about I wouldn't let anybody, if I was thirsty, I wouldn't let anybody stop me from getting what I need right now. Don't ever let somebody else set the agenda for your worship. sheep were thirsty but the sheep were being held back from the well by routine it's the way we've always done it it's the way it's always been that's our habit and so the sheep have to wait in the scorching heat of the day because routine said it's not time to drink yet. Don't, don't think that, that, that the world is the only ones with routines, my friend. Some of us come sleepy-eyed on Sunday morning. We come Sunday night ready to shout, but on Sunday morning, it's all we can do to keep ourselves awake. you got to break out of your routine if you're ever going to let the sheep drink. You're going to have to tell your routine. You're going to have to break your routine. If you really want the kind of revival for your life, 
that you say you want, you got to break out of your routine and not let your routine keep you from getting what you need from God. Amen. I'm afraid some of us are so stuck in our routine that we've developed over the course of years that we are stuck in a condition of perpetual thirst. Can I preach to you just a few minutes more this morning? Can I tell you, habits are hard to break. Anybody know that habits are hard to break? Well, let me tell you, spiritual heart habits are even harder to break than natural habits are. We get into worship routines, don't we? I'll clap my hands and maybe raise my hands, but I won't go any further than that. That's my routine. Never mind that you're thirsty and your routine has left you thirsty. I've gone as far as my routine's going to let me go. Let me tell you, if that's as far as I can go and I'm still thirsty, then I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm not going to let my routine keep me from being all that I need to be and getting what I want from God. Can I tell the Pentecostals today? Can I tell the apostolic folk that we get locked in our routine of just raising our hand and clapping like anybody else does? But if you're still thirsty, you need to throw the routine out and we need to throw the program out and we need to say, God, whatever I got to do to get what I need from you, then that's what I... We need to throw our routines out the window. If your routine has left you thirsty, then break your routine and roll the rock off the well and say, it's time for me to get a drink. Never mind that you're thirsty. I've gone as far as my routine lets me go. So, well, pastor, I don't have a routine. Well, I've seen a lot of you clap a lot over the years, but it's been a long time since I've seen you shout. I've seen you raise your hands a lot, but it's been a long time since I've seen you weep in the presence of the Lord. I've gone as far as my routine lets me go. Never mind that my marriage is in trouble. Never mind that my, faith, my kids are giving me trouble. Never mind that I don't have joy and peace in my heart. My routine says this is as far as I go when I come to the house of God. But brothers and sisters, your routine is leaving you thirsty. You need to put your shoulder to the rock and roll it off the well and say, God, I need a drink of water. My routine hasn't cut it. My system hasn't cut it. What I've done over and over and over hasn't cut it. I need to break out of my routine. I'm trying to preach to somebody this morning and tell you that there's more for you. You don't have to live in a state of perpetual thirst. You don't have to walk out of the house of God feeling like something's missing. You don't have to wake up on Monday morning and feel like you got to face a week without God. You can break out it, but you got to break out of your routine to get it. If your routine is leaving you thirsty, you need to press yourself a little bit further in your worship. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, the breakthrough begins when somebody takes action. The change begins when somebody does something different. If I do what I've always done, I'll always have what I've always had. But if I want more, I'm going to press myself. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to reach for more. I'm just trying to tell somebody, it's your routine that's leaving you thirsty. So scrap the routine and say, God, if i got to get radical to get what I need from you, then I'm going to get radical. This world's radical. The homosexual agenda is radical. 
The liberal side's radical. The drug addict's radical. The world's radical. The church better raise her game and break out of the routine and say it's time. He said, what are you the sheep? Is that what he said? Anybody with me? He said, roll the stone away and water the sheep. Here's the problem with, with Jacob. He was standing around just like they were. He was talking a good game, but he wasn't doing anything either. I didn't hear any amens right there. Ooh. Did, I, did I take it a step too far now? Is anybody better at talking the game than church people? Brother Reggie, you laughing. I might need you to help fight my way out of here. I mean, we talk about Hollywood all the time. And we talk about politicians in Washington, D.C. We talk about denominations. Churches that don't want room. We talk about all of that. Jacob's standing there talking a good game. My, he, he's sitting there saying, my God, roll the stone off the well and get a drink. Well, listen, Jacob, you got a shoulder too, buddy. You're trying to tell everybody else to move the rock, but what are you doing? You're standing here running your yapper, and you're not doing anything to make a difference. You're talking about revival, but you're not doing anything to have revival. You're talking about a move of God, but you're not doing anything to have a move of God. You're talking about giving sheep water, but you're just standing around talking. And as long as the church just stands around and talks about revival, then we're going to be thirsty just like everybody else. But when we put our shoulder to the rock and say, God, whatever it takes, I need a move of God. My family's got to change. My life's got to change. My marriage has to change. Listen, verse number nine. And while he yet spake with them, all he's doing is talking. While he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near. And rolled the stone from the well's mouth. And watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. The next verse, I didn't give it to him in the back. But the next verse, the Bible said he went up to her and kissed her and cried. Isn't that an interesting way to win a girl? You see her, you run up kiss her and then cry. Let me tell you, any of you boys try that, I'm knocking you out with the love of the Lord. Do I have any dads of daughters that says amen? Now he's just talking until he gets a vision of something that he loves. And when he gets the vision of what he loves, 
It moves him into action. I'm convinced that Pentecostals that don't do anything to have revival have lost the vision of what they really love. And what we need is Rachel to walk through the building one more time and let us see what it looks like when a sinner repents and when somebody's baptized with the Holy Ghost. Let us see what it looks like when our children are in the altar talking in tongues. It'll move us from talking to action. When we really get a vision of what we have in our future, when we get a really, when we really get a vision, hallelujah, because it's Jacob, when Jacob, it's Jacob and Rachel, when he gets the vision of what God's going to do in his future, he's going to raise up tribes and princes and kings through Jacob and Rachel. When he gets a vision of what God really has for his future, he can't stand around and talk anymore. He puts his shoulder to the rock. Can I tell you, God baptized us with a fresh vision of revival and what you want to do in our families, in our children, in our God baptizes us with a fresh vision of revival that makes us get up from where we're standing and talking and get busy doing. Somebody ought to shout right now. Somebody ought to say, God, let me get a vision of my future. Woo, hallelujah. It was a vision of his future when he saw Rachel coming. And he saw Rachel walking to the well, it was his, the vision of his future that got him to stop doing more than just talking and start doing something about it. Can I tell you that I'm praying that God lets us see. I know we got a little bit of a vision of what God wants to do, but I'm not sure we really have a full vision of what God's going to do through this congregation. It's bigger than that building we're building over there. There's a reason we've got that, but the vision's bigger than that because he's going to raise up pastors and evangelists and missionaries out of this congregation that he's going to be sent out all over the world. The vision is bigger than these walls. The vision is bigger than this hill. But if we don't get the vision, all we'll do is talk about having revival. But when we really begin to see it, we begin to say, God, you want to do it with me? needs to move the lid off the well the enemy would like to put a rock on the well put a lid on your worship put a lid on your faith put a lid on your prayer put a lid on our services put a lid on our preaching but it's time for God's people to rise up and decide that I'm going to put my shoulder to the stone and I'm going to take it off the well I wasn't called to sit around and wait for someone else to do what I can do. I'm not called to sit around and wait for somebody else to do my preaching for me and my praying for me and my singing for me. I'm not called to sit around and wait for somebody else to do my worship for me. I'm not called to sit around and talk about somebody else moving the well. I'm called to do it myself. I got to get involved. If we're going to have the kind of revival we're going to have, more people got to get involved. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If the way you've lived your life has left you dry, empty, and void, you got to break out of your routine, brother. Stand with me. 
Jesus. Why don't you lift your hands all over this place? It's a sign of surrender. I will lift up my hands. Psalms 51, I will lift up my hands in the sanctuary. Is there anybody thirsty? But you're a prisoner of your routine. You know you need more, but you're a prisoner of your routine. You know you want more, but you're a prisoner of your routine. You know it's time for a drink. You know your family needs it. You know your future needs it. You know your children need it. You know your soul needs it. You know you need it, but you're a prisoner of your routine. You got to roll your own stone away. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I feel a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost here. Oh, is there some hunger here? Is there some thirst here? Oh, come on. There's some thirstiness here. You got to press your way. You got to press your way. I got to change my routine because my routine hasn't got me what I need. Come on, right? We're still, you still have time to come. You still have time while the Holy Ghost is moving. While the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with your heart. Look, you can lose, you can miss a spirit, you can move, miss the move of the Spirit in a flash. Bible said the spirit's like a dove and a dove can be temperamental it can come and go and so when you feel it dealing with your heart you ought to step out and come immediately to the altar you ought to respond right away when you come you ought to open your heart and say God I need to change my routine I need more I want more I gotta have more. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Lamb of God, come on, let's pray all over this place. You're waiting on me. You're waiting on God. I'm hungry. God, I'm thirsty. God, I want more. I got to break out of my routine because my routine is leaving me thirsty. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you lift your hands and your voice and begin to call out to God? God, I'm pressing my way. My routine, I'm pressing my way. I'm going to push myself out of my comfort zone just a little bit more.
like there's a breakthrough in the house today. This could be your moment in time.
hungry and a thirsty heart to come before the Lord and to receive what He has for you. Not only that, you have to be repentant of the things in your past. You wonder why you see so many that seem unchanged, unmoved. They're not hungry. They're not thirsty. Those that are hungry and thirsty are going to push and say, God, I'm desperate. I want more. I want more. And he's not going to leave you desolate. He's going to feed you. He's going to give you water that you'll never thirst again. Talking about the Holy Ghost. Told the woman at the well, I have water that you, you now know that, that can't think of the like mind is going blank, but you know what I'm talking about. Scripture says that it's waters that flow that'll never run dry. It's a well deeper than you'll ever that you'll ever dig. That's talking about the Spirit of the Lord, but you have to be repentant. You have to be receptive of it. You have to be hungry and thirsty. Amen. Amen. What a word this morning. Uh, Bible study team, this is a, an announcement. Bible study team meet immediately following service. I'm going to assume right over here because that's where it usually is. Bible, Bible study team meeting immediately after service. Uh, we have Brother Sanford tonight. Brother Sanford is a great evangelist. Come tonight at prayer at 6 o'clock. Uh, we also have a Bible quizzing meeting after church in the kids' church today. So if you have kids that are in the Bible quizzing, let's meet immediately back there in the children's church. And if you're involved in Bible study team meeting, meet over here. And there is no uh, first steps tonight. And one more thing. Okay, tonight it will be free at 5 o'clock. We're going to have uh, Stacy Hood will be sharing her testimony. And she was one of the ladies that was with uh, one lost sheep when they first started coming here. Got filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. So if you want to come hear her testimony tonight, five o'clock in the uh, in the, in the cafeteria. I'm just going. I don't know what we really call it, but anyway, BCS dining room. So there you go. Amen. We have plenty going on. Be at church tonight at six for prayer. Six thirty for church. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus.